And you know, this word free, this word forgiveness, we've been looking at these words these last several weeks as we started a brand new series two or three weeks ago, and we've been learning more about what it means to be free in Jesus Christ and what that means to not be bound up in things from our past. And one of the things we've really been focusing in on is this whole issue of forgiveness. What a powerful video. What a powerful video that we saw of the power of forgiveness and the power of that word and the testimony that it is to the world around us where often the world, whenever you talk about forgiveness and what forgiveness is and the, and the power that happens in believers' lives where they forgive people who hurt them, it's a mysterious thing to the world. And it's never more relevant than it is for us to talk about it right now with all the things that are happening in our culture and things that are going on in our lives personally. Everywhere you turn right now, the word forgiveness is being talked about. It's being talked about all over social media. Uh, videos are being played of, of where you're hearing about what happened in Charleston, South Carolina, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago, and how those who have been deeply hurt and have lost loved ones are already, although they're expressing their grief, they're expressing their hurt and their anger, they're also talking about this issue of forgiveness. And it's so powerful because the world's talking about it now. And the world's asking questions. I mean, isn't it an amazing thing when even the media is talking about, now that is the true witness of Christ. I mean, the media, the worldly media is even noticing and taking notice of that. And, and so it's not by accident that we also would happen to be in this, in this, on this subject in our very own lives. It's not by accident that we're talking about what it means to be free in Jesus Christ in that particular area that many of us are held back from moving forward in Christ because of some past hurts that, are been, that have been in our, in our life. I love, I love that there was one USA Today article that I came across this week that it, it was actually titled this, Charleston Victor victims wield the power of forgiveness. I love that, that they wield the power of forgiveness. So again, it's being talked about everywhere, and and it's something that's just really relevant in our own life. And God is at work in our church. I had a man that wrote me just a, a letter this week to tell me about the journey of forgiveness that God is taking him on. And even in the last two weeks, God bringing kind of a culmination to things in his life. And this is how that man ended his letter to me, a member of our own church. This is how he ended the letter. I am free. Praise God, I am free. Amen. I mean, that's a neat thing to see that God is at work in our lives too. So we've been talking about what that means to be free and and what forgiveness looks like. And church, aren't you glad? And I loved in the video, I love in the song we just heard and sang in, aren't you glad that evil is always overcome with good, right? I mean, that, that evil never triumphs. It may seem like in our world and in our culture that it is, but you need to take cheer. You know, he says, be of comfort. And we take cheer in knowing that, Lord, you have overcome the world. Uh, we're going to be looking in the book of Philemon today. But, but before we go there, you can go ahead and start turning to Philemon. But, but this passage, the Lord spoke to me in my own quiet time this week. And I wanted to share it with you in Romans chapter 12. As you're turning to Philemon, let me share this with you and just encourage you. As, as some of you maybe are, are struggling with some of that hurt from the past. And you're wondering what to do with that and how to begin to be free. Look at what Paul says to the church at Rome. He says, bless those who do what? Persecute you. That word bless, it's the word eulogeo. It's where we get eulogy. The word literally means speak well of. He says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace, he says, with everyone. He says, in the way that you carry your life, you live honorably. You don't start acting like the world. You, start, you don't start acting hateful and angry and all these things. He's saying you, you do your best to live at peace with everyone. We know that that's not always possible, but he's saying you do your part. 
You do your part and you live at peace with everyone. He says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. And that's what we've been talking about in this free series is taking our offenders off of our hook of justice and turning them over to God's hook of justice. And therefore, we're free, okay, as we forgive and cancel that debt. So he says, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, he says, now this is your action. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing so, in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And that is exactly what we saw in the video where they confronted they confronted their offender. He says, and I love this. I'm going to invite you just to read this with me out loud, church. Let's say it out loud like we mean it. And let's say that as if we're filled with the Spirit of God as we say this in verse 21. Say it with me, church. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Amen? Don't let evil overcome you. Don't you, don't you start acting like the world and you try to overcome evil with more evil. How do we overcome evil that's so prevalent in our society? We boldly follow God's principles, right? We follow those principles, and when we follow those principles, here's what you're going to find. You're going to start finding freedom, right? Now, a lot of times you think, well, if I'm following principles, then I'm going to be bound up by the law or bound up by legalism. No, look at what James says. This is powerful. Following God's principles is what sets you free, okay? He says in verse James chapter 1, verse 22, but don't just listen to God's word. So don't just come in here today and just kind of check off the, I heard Pastor Bart preach a little bit today or whatever. He said, don't just listen to God's word and go out and not be any different. He says, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And then he says, it's like looking in the mirror, walking away, forgetting what you look like. All right? He's saying it's pointless there. He says, but verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law. Now, what does it say next? That does what? That sets you what? Free. The principles is what sets you free. We're talking about the principle of forgiveness. And that's what begins to set us free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, now look at what it says is going to happen in your life. And I know you want this and I want this. Then God will bless you for doing it, right? When you start living that faith out and you start living those principles out and that freedom comes in your life, God brings blessing upon you and blesses your life and blesses your family because you're... It doesn't mean there's not going to be hardship. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through difficulties. It doesn't mean there's not going to be times where you're wondering what in the world is happening, but God's hand and His favor is on your life. And and here's something that I was really thinking of this week in light of all that was going on in our country and, and you know, and the Supreme Court, Supreme Court judges ruling in this way for this thing and this and that and all these things going on. We live in a world and we should not be surprised. We should not be shocked in any kind of way. We live in a world that is broken and marred by sin. We live in that world. Jesus said that we would. He said things would progressively get worse. And here's what I just kind of took away from this whole week. People can start getting fearful. What's going to happen? You know, we have no reason to be afraid. God is sovereignly in control of all things. Amen. Here's what he needs us to do, church. This is what I've been feeling all week. And I've just been wanting to eagerly say this to you. He needs his church to be well. He needs us as individuals to be well spiritually, to not be holding grudges towards one another and caught up in bitterness and all the things of our past. The the dark world that we live in needs the light to shine out of us. And we got to get well. And we've got to get free, right? Because the world needs us. The world, they don't realize it, and they, don't, they may not want it, but there will come a time because sin will continue to progress, and it will ultimately lead to the culmination of the return of King Jesus, come Lord Jesus, right? I mean, we know that that's coming, but in the meantime, we need to get healthy spiritually because we've got a lot of work to do. 
We are called to do that work, and that's why we're doing this series, is we want to do the hard work in our life of being spiritually free and being not bound up in these things that hold us back from moving forward and bitterness and anxiety and worry and guilt and all these kinds of things, but but being free in Christ. God is sovereignly in control, and He wants His church free. He wants us whole and well, all right? So we've been talking about forgiveness because, as I said in week one, forgiveness and a lack of forgiveness and bitterness is what seems to be one of the things that holds a majority of us back from growing spiritually. It it prevents us from getting well in a lot of ways, and it affects all of our relationships, not just the one where there was an offense that happened. It affects us as a whole person, okay? And so we, we started off by talking about what forgiveness is not because there's apprehension when you talk about forgiveness. People automatically tense up because we oftentimes think, well, he's going to tell me to forgive or God's going to tell me to forgive and I just don't want to do that because that's going to let that person off the hook or that's going to do this or it says this. Remember what we've been learning? Forgiveness is not necessarily that. Forgiveness is taking them off of my hook of justice. I'm not God. God is God. And taking them off of my hook of justice and putting them on God's hook of justice so that my hands are free. So that I'm no longer carrying those, those burdens and those, and we, we you know, kind of talked about them being like this sack of rocks that we're carrying that's weighing us down. And we're releasing that and we're giving that over to God so that we can run our race and be free. So we started talking about what forgiveness is not. And I just want to reiterate that. I won't go in depth, but it's not a feeling. You're not going to get to a place of feeling like forgiving. Some of you are like, I'll forgive when I start feeling like it. You'll never get there. You'll never get the sappy feeling of feeling like forgiving someone who has hurt you, especially some of the hurts that I know some of you have gone through. You're not going to feel that. And so don't be mistaken in thinking that forgiveness is a feeling and you'll do it when you start feeling like it. No, it's a choice. It's a choice that we decide to do out of obedience to Christ. Okay, so it's not a feeling. It, it's not diminishing the evil that was done to you. There was evil that was done to you. It's not saying it wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal. Jesus had to die for it, therefore it's a big deal, right? Okay, so it's not just saying it's not a big deal. It was a big deal, all right? It's, it, it's not to make you an enabler of sin in that person's life and you just keep enabling them. No, you can forgive and still set up clear boundaries, okay? But you're, again, you're taking them off of your hook, putting them onto God's hook, but boundaries can be in, in place. It's not a response to an apology. We learn that. You may never get an apology. Those people who have lost loved ones in Charleston, Dylan Roof may never tell them that he's sorry. But they still, do you see what they're doing? They're forgiving. They're taking him off of their hook and putting them on to God's hook. They're saying, we cannot harbor hate for you. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't go along with our faith. We're not going to win that way. We forgive you, you know. And they may never get an apology, but they still, they still are offering forgiveness. Don't wait for an apology. That may not even be possible. The person who hurts you, they may be dead and gone, or they may have moved off. You may never know where they are. So it's not about an apology. This is, this is between you and God, okay? This is you giving this over to God, and this is you coming to the place of releasing that offender, okay? That's what it, that's what it is. And it's, it's not forgetting. How in the world could you ever forget a situation like what just happened in Charleston? How could you ever say to those people, just forget that? You can't forget that. It's not forgetting. It's taking the things that happen in our lives and and asking God to even use those things in our lives through his sovereignty to make us more like Jesus. So it's not about forgetting. It's releasing that offender. It's not immediate trust restored. We said that it's not just automatically trust is restored. Forgiveness is instant. Trust takes time to rebuild. And that's something that happens through, through relationship, okay? It's not reconciliation. You remember we said reconciliation takes two parties. You have a person forgiving, but for, and that is mandated by God for us to forgive our offender. And then you also have what in reconciliation? A genuinely repentant person. And when you have repentance and brokenness and godly sorrow and you have forgiveness, then you have reconciliation. But whether or not there's ever repentance on the part of that person, we're still mandated to forgive. Again, you're taking them off of your hook. 
And so we talked about what it's not. It's not covering up crimes. It's not, you know, you still can send a person to jail and still forgive them, okay? And and so we talked about what it's not. What we have also talked about is what it biblically is. When we looked in Matthew, and we understand that it literally means this. The word means to cancel a debt owed. We cancel a debt that is owed to us. It's to release our offender, uh, our offender from our hook of justice and trust them to God's hook of justice. It's trusting God to take care of it, care of it in his own way. We talked about this in week one. Here's the biggest part of it. It's doing yourself a big, huge favor when you choose to forgive. Amen? You're doing yourself a favor because you're not going to continue to live in torment and toil. You're not going to let that offense continue to imprison you to your past. Remember, we said a few things that whenever you choose to live in bitterness, when you choose to carry on in bitterness and and anger for the rest of your life, do you remember what we said happens? We talked about this last week. It imprisons you to your past. You're locked up. You're not able to move forward for God. Remember, the world needs us whole and well. The world needs us as light in this darkness, okay? We need to be prepared and eager and ready to love people and to share Christ with people. But whenever you are locked up in bitterness and anger and and unforgiveness, it imprisons you to your past and you are tormenting yourself is what we said. We torment ourselves when we won't forgive. Secondly, we learn that it produces a bitter heart. And whenever you have a bitter heart, then that is going to produce a toxic kind of speech that comes out of your mouth. And so not only is it toxic to you whenever you won't forgive and it turns into bitterness, you become toxic to others around you. And so your children often become a recipient of that. Your spouse becomes a recipient of that. And whenever you have a toxic heart, remember the things that are in our heart, that's what comes out of our mouths. And so if you're harsh and you're caustic all the time and you're, and you're overly sarcastic, not saying you can't have fun with each other, but if yours is just really meant, meant to hurt and all of that, and, and people around you kind of maybe you don't bring peace into their life, but because of what's happened and you've not released that, you're toxic because of that produce, that's been produced in your heart. And so we see that that happens. We also see this. We learn that you invite demonic activity and you invite Satan kind of into your life in certain ways when you won't forgive. Remember, Paul said, do not give the devil a foothold. You must deal with your anger, he says, in a, in a, in a kind of a, a way that is, that is pleasing to God. It's not saying you can't be angry, but he's saying don't let that dominate your life and give the devil a foothold in your life. Okay, we provide Satan an open door. And then we said also that if we choose to live in this bitter heart, that it it affects our fellowship with God. You and I will never be as close to God as he wants us to be walking in fellowship with him if we continue in our unforgiving heart. And so that brought us to this this book of Philemon. And and I just want to remind you as we looked last week that Paul wrote the letter. Let me give give you a little context. Turn there with me if you haven't gotten there already. And uh, there's only, it's a short little book. The word forgiveness, interestingly enough, is never found in the book. It's never found in the 25, it's only one chapter, it's only 25 verses. The word forgiveness is never even found there, but the whole letter is about forgiveness. By the way, this whole book, God's Word, is about what, church? Forgiveness for us, right? And so Paul is going to address a a believer named Philemon who uh, had a slave, who was a runaway slave, that when he ran away, his name is Onesimus, when he ran away, he stole from him. Now, you need to know this isn't a book about slavery. It's not endorsing slavery. It's not even really about slavery, okay? Don't miss the point of the book. We know that slavery is wrong, but that was what was going on in the Roman culture at that time. There were 60 million slaves all over the place, and so that, that was what was happening at this particular time. And so this man named Onesimus fled. And when he fled, he was not a believer. And when he fled, he stole from Philemon. Now in the process of fleeing, he runs into Paul. And through God's sovereignty and providence, Paul does what Paul does best. He shares the gospel with Onesimus. 
Onesimus becomes a Christian. He begins to change and to have transformation happen in his life. And Paul recognizes that as he speaks with Onesimus that they have a mutual friend named Philemon. And, and they, uh, they understand that about each other. And as Paul is discipling Onesimus, Paul is urging Onesimus. He urges him to go back and to make things right. And this is a big deal. This is a big part of his discipleship, okay? And so what we see with Onesimus is we see that there was something that is very significant for there to be reconciliation. We see from Onesimus, we see deep repentance. We see that there was a repentant heart. And we'll talk about that more in just a second. But even if Onesimus was never repentant, we need to understand that that Philemon, because of Christ and him being a Christian, was still mandated to forgive. Even if Onesimus was never repentant. But he was. And we'll see what begins to happen. So Paul writes this letter. He puts this letter in Onesimus' hands to deliver to Philemon himself, to be read in front of the church at Colossae. And so put yourself in Philemon's sandals or whatever they wore, okay? Put yourself in his shoes. This isn't a parable. This isn't a, a story about just kind of forgiveness in theory. This is an actual fractured relationship between these two men in this church. And Paul is trying to patch this up. Scripture says, blessed are the peacemakers. And this is what Paul is doing. He's trying to make peace in this church because he knew that this, that this could end up being something that could deeply harm Philemon for the rest of his life because he's been wronged in this particular instance. He's been wronged. The word forgiveness isn't in the book, but it's implied over and over and over again. So let's book, look in the book again, and again, it's being read. And, and I want you to think about being in Philemon's shoes there, that Onesimus is most likely within earshot of what's being read. He's the one that delivered it and put it into Philemon's hand. Can you imagine what that encounter must have been like? What are you doing back? Oh, you're back here. Well, this is from Paul. Read it, please. <laughs> you know, quickly, read it. And so he's reading this, and here's what we see going on. Paul's going to set him up with the grace of God. He's going to begin to make an appeal to him. And verse, let's start in verse 4. I always, remember he started just building Philemon up about the kind of man in Christ he was now that he knew Jesus Christ. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus. I mean, I'm hearing about it. Other people know about it. You are known as a man of deep faith in Christ. You're known by others. They see that it's legit in your life, that you're not a fake, that we hear about and we see your faith in the Lord Jesus. And he said, also, what do we know about you and your love for all of God's people? Whenever I pray for you, Philemon, I don't ever have to, to get angry about things that are happening. You always bring me joy is what he's saying. I don't have anything negative to say about you because of the man of Christ that you are and the man that loves God and loves people. And he goes on and he says, and I am praying that you will put into action, that you'll be a man of integrity, that you will live your faith out, that you won't just talk about the forgiveness of Christ in your own life, but you'll begin to live it out in the way that you respond to others. Look at what Paul's going to say. That you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. So when you have a genuine faith, you should be a generous person with others. You should be more inclined to forgive. You, again, it's mysterious to the world to, whenever they, they see believers forgive a debt that is greatly owed. And it points to Jesus Christ. He goes on, he says, this generosity that is produced from your faith, comes from your faith, as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ he says, your love has given me much joy. The kind of love you have, it gives me joy. It gives me comfort, my brother, for your kindness, and he's going to appeal to his kindness, has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Last week we said, am I that kind of person, whenever I'm a, a, around other people, that my kindness, my kind of demeanor, my, the way I live my life, does that refresh people around me or do I drain them? <laughs> Because I'm toxic, because I'm, I'm bitter, because I have harsh 
kind of harsh words that are pouring out of my mouth because that's what's in my heart? Am I a refreshing individual to the people of God? He says, he goes on and he says, this is what you're like. It's refresh the hearts of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. In other words, he's saying, I could just pull my apostle card on you right now and just say, you're going to do this, all right? You're going to do this because I'm telling you to do this. I'm kind of over you in the Lord. And, And he's saying, I have enough boldness. I have enough confidence in my authority in Christ as an apostle of Jesus Christ. I could kind of pull that apostolic authority on you, but look at what he says. That's not what I want to do. But because of our love, he says, what does this say about the relationship that Philemon and Paul had? Because of our love, because of the journey that we've been on together, because of the way that we walk together, he says, look, I could command you, but I don't, wanna, I don't want it to be forced. Because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this, he says, as a request. It's coming from me, your beloved Paul. And here's the thing that I know. You need to know what was motivating all of this. What was motivating Paul was his love for Philemon, his love for Onesimus. He was motivated by his love for the church at Colossae and understanding that this was going to be a good thing if they could reconcile and point back to Jesus. In verse 1, he calls him, he calls Philemon his beloved, his, his agapetos there, his beloved. In verse 7, he says, your love is giving me, given me much joy and comfort. My beloved brother is what that means. So there was a bond of love between these two men. And, and he's saying, I could tell you, but I don't want it to be like that. I want you to be motivated to do this because of what what Christ has done in your life. And I want to appeal to you on those terms. It's kind of like this. Whenever we're parents and we we have, you know, we tell our kids that there's something that we know they need to do and we don't have time to explain all the reasons. And we just say, you know what, what do we say? Just do it. And they say, why do I need to do that? And what do we say back? Because I what? I said so, right? How many of you pulled that card? Anybody pulled that one? Yeah, that's a good one to use, isn't it, right? And they love it when we do that, right? You loved it when it happened to you. And that's kind of what Paul is saying. I could just say because I said so. But he's saying, but that's not what I'm doing here. I'm I'm appealing to you with some reason and with some logic. I love you and I love Onesimus. I want you all free. I want you to experience what I have for you. And it could be very well that this is what God is doing with many of us today. God is bringing you his word. He's bringing you a hard truth. He's bringing you something that no doubt is a challenge because you have legitimately been hurt in your life. And we're not saying that you haven't. We're not saying it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. But what he's saying is, I'm telling you this. I'm appealing to you on the relationship that I have for you and the love for you that I have. And my motive for you is I want you free. I want you free. I don't want to pull the because I just said so card. I want you to do it because I know what's it's going to be best for you. You may not be able to see that right now, right? When you're telling your kids, you can't always explain it all. You just have to have to encourage them to trust you. This is best. Trust dad right now. Trust mom. I'm, I, this is what's best. And this is kind of what Paul is saying. And this is what the Lord is saying to many of us. So Paul is going to start pulling it at Philemon's heartstrings a bit. In verse 9, he says, consider this as a request from me. And I love how Paul starts working this. Paul's good, man. He works it. Paul, and an old man. I'm an old man, Philemon. Now also prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. You know what Paul is saying? I've been deeply hurt. I've been wronged. I'm in prison. I'm going through all kinds of stuff right now. Please don't add more grief to me and that there is brokenness in the church. He's saying, please don't do that. I don't need more emotional pain in my life. He says I'm, he speaks in, to him in kind of two ways. He says, first, he says, I'm an old man. I'm, I'm aged is the word. And, and, and the question I was thinking this week was, I wonder how old Paul really was. Started kind of checking into that a little bit. And Paul most likely, you say, how old was Paul? And I know some of you, this is a defining moment for oldness for you, right? How old was Paul? Are you ready? 
he was 37. No, he was, some of you are like, what? He was 60 years old. Some of you are like, dang, man. Are you saying we're old if we're over 60? No, that's not what we're saying. That's what Paul is saying about you, okay? No, what he's saying is this. The word aged, it literally means it's not just years, okay? And by the way, they, they didn't have uh, as long a lifespan as what we have today. Life was harder then. So many of them didn't live that long. So 60 was pretty old at that time. Now, you also need to understand what Paul is saying is, I want you to consider all of the things and the experiences that I've gone through in my life. I've gone through beatings. I've gone through imprisonment, bad food. I've gone through, you know, shipwreck. They've, they've beat me with rods. They flogged me, right? Paul has been through some stuff, and that's what the word aged literally means. I've been through so much, and I'm even imprisoned right now. I've gone through so much. He said in another place, I bear on my body the marks of Christ's scars. He's saying, I've gone through this. I'm currently in prison. Philemon, can you dare refuse the request of an an aged, beaten down old man? Would you please listen to me and not cause me more hurt? What is this request that he's making? Well, it's some action. And last week we looked at the, what the forgiving believer looks like. We see that they love God. They're known for it. They have a genuine faith. We saw that they love people. They're known for it, right? As Paul said in those verses, we see that they, that they put their faith into action as he calls for action. And what are the actions that he's calling for? Now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of forgiveness here, okay? And we would even say this in these next verses... I want to be really clear that what Paul is calling for between these two men goes beyond even forgiveness. What Paul is calling for is reconciliation. I know that may not be possible for many of you, but this is an opportunity for reconciliation. Some of you, it could be a possibility. Remember, reconciliation is not the same as forgiveness. Reconciliation requires a forgiving party, one who will forgive out out of obedience to Christ. And takes them off of their hook, and reconciliation takes what? A genuinely repentant person. And then there's a possibility for reconciliation. All right? So let's look at some actions of reconciliation. It starts with this. How might that happen in your life? How could it happen in the life where there's been brokenness in a, in a relationship there? First, it starts with an openness to God. Will you be open to God first? And then, and this is where it gets really tough, will you have an openness to the repentant offender? We'll get to that in a second, but let's start with the openness to God. It's where you're coming in and you're saying, God, I know this could be one of the most difficult things for me to to deal with. It hurts any time I think about it, but I'm willing to listen to you, God. I'm willing to trust that you have my best at heart. I'm willing to listen to you through your servant, Pastor Bart, just as Philemon was willing to listen through through the servant of, of the Apostle Paul. I have an openness today to what you might want to do in my life, God, and I know that it's motivated by your love for me. I'm trusting you. You're moving into an action of trusting God. You're willing to listen first to his voice rather than coming in, and as soon as we say something about forgiveness, boom, the wall goes up. You're saying today, okay, I'm, I'm open. I, I want to I hear from you, God, and I know that it may not be pleasant and it may be hard, but I trust you. That is an incredible act of sacrifice and a pleasing act of sacrifice to our God. Amen. When we say, I trust you. I don't know how this is going to happen. I know it's going to hurt a lot in the process, but I'm going to trust you through this. We open ourselves to his voice. Now here's where it can get hard. God asked us to have an openness to listen to our offender, to listen to our offender. Now in the process of listening to the offender is where God could begin to give us discernment on whether or not there is genuine repentance. In some cases there may be, in other cases there may not be genuine repentance. Okay, and, and that's going to be God beginning to show you that in the process. And in that process, that is where maybe steps of reconciliation pe- can begin. It's a process. It often doesn't happen immediately. It takes time for trust to be restored, those kinds of things. But you have an openness to listen, an openness to listen. And here's what we begin to see. He says in verse 10, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus, to show kindness 
However we respond, we should show kindness. We should be kind in Christ. And I became, Paul says, his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news. He reminds him again, I'm in the chains again for preaching the gospel. Don't forget me. And he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were, what is he wanting? Willingness. Openness. Not because you were forced. Paul's saying, Philemon, would you have an openness to God in this matter and and possibly an openness to reconciling with Onesimus? These are actions of reconciliation. Let me be quick to point out that that, that there there is repentant on the uh, repentance on the place of Onesimus. And I know that that, that may not happen in your life, but regardless, uh, regardless, we are called to forgive, taking them off of our hook of justice and trusting them into God's care so that we are free. And because of some of these important things we see evident in Onesimus's life, there can begin a process of reconciliation. What do we see in his life? Well, here's some good things for you to look for in the life of the person that maybe you're seeking to reconcile with. He's repentant. There is repentance in his life. He's transformed by Christ. He's not the same man as we'll read in just a second. He's a little, he's different from who he used to be. It's not, he's, he's a different person now because of what Jesus Christ has done in his life. He's also proven himself faithful. There's, there's a, there's been a, a time where there's been faithfulness that has been proven for Paul. Paul has observed this. He's saying, I, I encourage you to take him back because he's ready to be taken back. He's saying, I encourage you to heal the wound and, and to allow it to heal. Allow God to bring healing in this wound in the church there and in your heart. Uh, Let him back into your life. I, I appeal to you to do this because there's some things that are really different about Onesimus. He's been changed. And this scene must have been very emotional. It must have been very dramatic for, you know, Onesimus was a, within earshot while this is being read. It's probably a shock to Philemon that he's even come back probably thought I'll never see him again. I'll never see that money again. He's cost me in all kinds of different ways, but he comes back with a man named Tychicus. And he comes back with an incredible experience that he's had with the apostle Paul. You say, well, where's the repentance, Bart? Where's the repentance? The repentance is implied because here is the thing. He's back. He never had to come back. This was, in fact, a very dangerous thing for him to come back. He never had to come back. He's coming back to set the record straight, to to write things that he left that were wrong. And so he's back. He's gone back. There's repentance there. He didn't have to, but he did. And so this is a beginning part of the process of reconciliation. He wants to correct this wrong. And what he's saying is, I'm sending him back to you, and I'm calling you to have an openness calling you to open yourself first to God and listen to the Lord through me. I'm calling you to listen to his story and see how he's different. Regardless of what happens, I'm calling you to show kindness. Kill the hostility. Don't ever let evil overcome, seek to overcome evil with more evil. He said, don't don't allow that to be the, the, the way you live your life. You live free and you show kindness. You know, something that I think is very interest, interesting to me that I was thinking of this week is this. is There's a scripture in the book of Romans that says this. Listen to this, church. It is the kindness of of God that leads us to repentance, right? It's not browbeating us into repentance. It's kindness that leads us to repentance. Whenever we we realize the kind of love and the kindness that God still shows us in spite of all of our actions and our rebellion and our oftentimes hatred and the things and the way that we live our life and all of our sin and all of our baggage, and yet he still says, I love you. And that breaks us and it leads us to repentance. And I started thinking about forgiveness and, and how oftentimes you'll see a person that's really hardened until the person who has been offended says, I forgive you. 
I mean, I think of the video last week. If you weren't here, you missed it. It was a powerful video. You can look online and see it. And, but it was a video of a woman whose, whose son was murdered by another young man. And, and, and she goes to the man, the young man, after, and she expresses her anger. She's not like this robot, okay? She goes to this young man. Her name was Mary. She goes to him, and she, she you know, just begins speaking with him and kind of does the same thing we saw in this video. I'm angry. You've taken something from me. I'll never get back, but I want you to know this. I am a believer. I love Jesus Christ, and I want you to know something. I forgive you. And you remember in the video last week, that man was overwhelmed. He said, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to respond to that. And her forgiveness, and it doesn't happen this way every, every, every time. I'm not so naive to think that it always happens this way. But, but I do realize this, that, that kindness often brings about repentance, Whenever, whenever, and that's how love wins over. And, and do you remember that young man's life began to change? And then she even had an openness to invite him, not only just to, to live in her community. Where did he live? Right next door. There's an openness there, right? And now he just, he's blown away. His life's changed. He's trying, he's seeking to repay that, you know, that debt that was owed. He can never repay it. He can never bring her son back, but he's wanting to live up to his new faith in Jesus Christ. And he's sharing the power of forgiveness everywhere that he goes. God wins. God wins. It starts with an overcoming of evil with good. He was repentant. He's transformed. Look at verse 11. Onesimus, he says, The name Onesimus literally means useful. Useful hasn't been of much use to you in the past. Paul is making a play on words. But now he is very useful to both of us. Paul's saying, oh, useful. He's being sarcastic. Formerly was useless, but now is useful both to you and me. Why? Because God has transformed him. Now, Paul knows this because he's observed his behavior. He ministered to Paul. So there's been some trust that's being restored. And Paul is saying, I want to attest to you on his behalf. I have observed transformation is happening in his life. He's proving himself faithful. Look at what he says in verse 13. I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on your behalf. He says, he says Philemon, I love this guy. I'm seeing a difference in him. He's not the same man that you used to see. He's ministering to me. You can't be here to do this for me right now. And so God used him to minister to me. And, 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 and it would be a great blessing to me. Now he can also be a great blessing to you. And it will be a great testimony to others in the church at Colossae when they see the power of a man whose life has been transformed and they see the power of a man who has the the choice and power to forgive a great wrong. And again, God wins. And God's glorified. This is all about God's glory is what he's saying. Now, where there is not repentance, and sometimes that is the case and sometimes For many of you, that is the case of what you're dealing with. God still wants you free, and he still wants you to forgive. You take them off your hook, you put them on God's hook, and you say, I cancel the debt. I cancel the debt. It can never be repaid, but I cancel the debt in the manner in which God has canceled my debt. Now, to ease into these painful steps of reconciliation, here's another step. All right, a couple of quick things before we pray and we're closed. Close out today. Here's what we also do in this process is we trust that God is sovereignly at work in all things. That he's at work in all things. Okay? He, we know that Paul writes in Romans that God is working in all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He never says all things are good, but God is at work and can work in even some of the hurt in your life because God is God. God will use everything in our lives. He always overcomes evil with his good, even when we can't see it at work. It says in verse 15, it seems you lost Onesimus for a little while. So we have a perspective of the way things look right now. He's saying it seems that way for a little while so that you could have him back forever. You didn't know that when the hurt happened. God is sovereignly at work. He's no longer like a slave to you. He's more than a slave for now he is what? A beloved brother. 
especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. He is saying that he is at work even where you can't see it. God takes all things in our lives and, and even things that the enemy means for evil, God will turn them for our good as we love and trust God. He uses these things in our life. I think of Joseph when his brothers sold him into slavery. And you know that story. We don't have time to go into it. But they sold him into slavery, right? They wronged him. He was hurt by his own flesh and blood. But we knew that God sovereignly was working, placing Joseph in a certain place that would ultimately preserve his brothers later on, right? And then when his brothers came in and he forgave his brothers, he made this statement. Do you remember what he said? What man intended for evil, God worked for good. And that's what God does in our lives. Here's what we learn, church, and this ought to cause us to rejoice. It ought to cause us to walk out of here lighter. It ought to cause us to praise God is that our God can overturn and overrule any evil that happens in our life. Amen? I mean, he can overturn it. He can overrule it. God is always triumphing over sin by his providential power and his providential grace. He takes the infinite contingencies and decisions of all humanity and he uses them to accomplish his own purposes. He uses them because he wins. And so if you're fearful about what's happening in our nation, what's happening around the world, you need to rest in this, is that our sovereign God is in control. He is in control. And so be free. Be free. We're not, we're not happy about the way things are going. We, we shouldn't be surprised, though. And we should be more just committed than ever to live as a light for Jesus Christ. Because the world needs it. The world doesn't need us. It needs the Christ that's in us. Right? Here's the final thing. The final part of the actions of, reconcili- of reconciliation is restitution should be made when possible. This is for the offender, that there should be restitution made. It's not saying that there shouldn't be restitution made when possible. It should be made, okay? Now, there has been a wrong that was done, and it needs to be dealt with. And Paul's not just sweeping that under the rug. He stole from him. He did something that was wrong, and he's saying, make restitution. Restitution needs to be made. But here is the problem. Onesimus has nothing. He has nothing. He stole from him. He probably used what he stole from him to to fund his fugitive, sinful lifestyle. So how is he going to deal with restitution? This is what Paul does. This is powerful. So if you consider, he says, me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. He's saying, I want you to start looking at him the way you would look at me. Paul's saying, I will be his substitute. Can you think of anybody else that has been a substitute? He's saying, look at, look at me when you see him. I want you to treat him the way you would treat me. I want you to welcome him the way you would welcome me. Forgive him as you would forgive me. Hold an obligation against him as you would hold an obligation to me. I just want you to work towards reconciliation. Look at what he says. If he has wronged you in any way or he owes you anything, what does Paul say? Charge it to me. And this letter is the IOU. In fact, he says, I, Paul, write it with my own hand. Not a scribe's writing this for him. He's saying, I write it with my own hand. I will, what does he say? Repay it. And then my favorite part of the whole book, Paul reminds him. And I won't mention that you owe me your own very soul. I won't mention it, but I'll mention it, okay? I love that. He says, Philemon, can you imagine where you would be if I hadn't shared the gospel with you? And so I want you to take into consideration the gospel in your life. You see, this is a beautiful, beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ did for us. Jesus paid our sin debt that we could never pay, right? 
And he's saying, you have nothing to offer God, but Jesus came and he gave it all for you. And he took all of our sins upon himself. He satisfied the justice of God. He didn't say that sin wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal. He died for it. But he's saying, I've satisfied the judgment. The debt has been paid. You are now free. And Paul is saying, when you see me, see me like you see Christ in your life. I want you to think about that, believer. Think about the testimony. Think about that of which you've been forgiven. And he's saying, there's nothing wrong with it. It'd be okay for you to call in that debt. It'd be okay. It'd be justice. It'd be right. But there's also nothing wrong with being gracious. Saying, I release that debt. And I give it over to God. I give it over to God. I want to just invite you to prayer, church. Will you pray with me? You see, church, when we forgive others, we are never more like Jesus Christ than when we make that choice. And we forgive. If they can make restitution, I think it's a good thing for them to make restitution. If they can't make restitution, then you still can forgive. And maybe you would even make the restitution on their behalf as the substitute and overwhelm them with God's love even more. How do we reconcile openness to God, openness to Him speaking? Do you hear His voice today? Have you released your offender or offenders for your sake? Remember, you're doing yourself a great favor so that you could be free. If they're repentant, are you willing to take some steps to reconciliation? It takes time. It takes time. But are you willing if the Lord's leading you to that? If he's not, he's not. I just want to close with this. If you if you would just say, Pastor Bard, I just need prayer today. I need prayer. I have fractured relationships. I need wisdom. I need discernment. I need to know how to forgive more. I need to, the, the power to from Christ to follow through with that. Would you just pray for me today? I'm hurting today because of some relationships. If that's you today with no one else looking around, just privacy between me and you, would you just lift your hands? And I just want to pray for you, okay? Just lift them up. Leave them up before God. And I just want you right now just to begin to release those burdens. Just lift them up to him. Release those burdens to him. He says, come to me, those of you who are broken, those of you who are heavy laden, that are burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. I'm going to set you free. You put this truth enacted in your life, it begins to set captives free. Lord, would you just begin to speak to hearts right now? Just begin to bring your healing. Lord, if there's anything in my heart or in the hearts of your people here that could be in any sense as viewed for un, as unforgiving an attitude toward someone that's an unforgiving, bitter attitude, would you forgive us and remove it? And we want to be free. Father, would you give us wisdom to know how to take steps to reconciliation where it's possible? to know the timing of that, to know if you're leading to that. Would you show us how you're working and bring us encouragement to persevere? Would you give us your love and grace for others that, Lord, we don't naturally have or naturally feel? Would you bring that power in our life? Would you bring healing to people that are wounded here today? Would you be merciful unto us as we show mercy to others? Lord, would you bless us as we seek to be peacemakers today as your word declares? Lord, would you overcome the evil that has happened in our life with your good? For those that have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you call upon him to be your Savior today? You call upon him and he'll save you. Believe in faith. He was a substitute. He paid your sin debt. And if you'll believe and receive him, you become a son and a daughter of God. Lord Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for your word. May we walk out of here and put it into action. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.